Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Adelamarcy Unplugged. Today I am actually quite happy to have back a very, very cool guest. He's actually one of the highest downloaded guys ever, and I actually keep getting emails to get him back on. So, um, quickly, we're going to do the sponsor thing, I'm going to bring him back on. Uh, basically, today we're sponsored by purelyhosting.com forward slash Adel. Go there, get your website, your hosting, everything all set up. But realistically, what we're really sponsored by today is askformula.com forward slash Adel. Head on over there, and our guest today is giving away the most kick-ass book ever. I've gone ahead and got my copy. As soon as I saw it, I ordered it. It's really cool to get him on board to actually share this with you guys. But uh, use the coupon code, of course, underneath the link as always, uh, ADIL2015, so A-D-I-L 2015. At the end of that, get the book for free. It's freaking awesome. I think it's for free, but I think you pay for shipping and handling. It's really cool. Anyway, I'm going to just quit blabbering around. Ryan, the Levecinator, Levec is back on. You, back, are you, how are you doing, dude? I'm doing well, my man. I love that. How's it going, my friend? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. You know, I always got to come up with nicknames for cool people, so that's just going to be on the on the fly. So how's how's things hanging? Like, when did you write this book? I mean, last time I spoke to you was like November. It's been what four months? Not even four months. Three months. I will tell you, man. Writing a book is much more of an undertaking than I anticipated. Long story short, I thought this was something that I could maybe bang out in three months. So when we spoke three, four months ago, I had been working on the book in the background, nights and weekends, for a very long time. It's probably been about an 18-month process, heavily invested in creating the book. I did not anticipate that when I dove in. Like most entrepreneurial things, as I'm sure you can agree, sort of like you never anticipate the mountain of work that's ahead of you. Um, and maybe you never would have even approached the challenge if you knew how much work was involved. But once you get into the thick of it, it's like, well, I'm knee deep already, so we might as well finish this thing. Um, so it's been many, many hours. It's an entire team of people. You know, I wrote in the book, it, they say it takes a village to raise a child. It takes a village to write a book. I was going to say a village or a very highly sophisticated team of ninjas that hired. Yeah. Ryan is just basically hired out. It's like, yes, we will. Write a, vill book. a village of ninjas. <laughs> that's basically <laughs> somewhere located. That's where you met them. That's how you know Chinese or Mandarin or. Yeah, exactly. Or Cantonese. I can't remember which one do you know. Is it Mandarin or Mandarin? Cantonese? Yeah, yeah. My, my Cantonese is, is, is uh, rubbish. Yeah. Uh, so. See, that's the real reason he went out all the way out there and learned Mandarin to like converse with ninjas so one day they would help him. Just that's all it is. I've probably got the geographical location completely screwed up because ninjas are Japanese, but I don't care. It's Far East Asia. Kung Fu, Kung Fu, uh, <laughs> Kung Fu is uh, is is uh, Chinese, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, you have the Shaolin Ming, uh, monks. Um, you know, the Shaolin you know, Mings. That would be kind of bad. Minks, yeah. <laughs> Shaolin, Shaolin Mings. Oh <laughs> uh, man, that's so funny. So, so funny. Yeah, um, I'm gonna go and say I'm just gonna give a heads up to everyone that's listening to this. Neither one of us are on drugs right now. Um, this is just how crazy we get around each other because we've not Absolutely. actually we've not met in person, but I'm kind of scared if we do meet in person because that's gonna be kind of like, yeah, we're gonna high five and then everything is just gonna go on meltdown right now. We're either gonna get no work done or we're just gonna destroy the world. It's either yep. one or the other. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, totally. I love it. It's pretty fun. All right, so you basically went ahead, wrote this huge book. I've got to ask, Ask Formula is more based on your whole survey formula thing. I'm guessing here because I don't even know what the book's about. I saw, I got an email from you like a month ago just saying, hey, guys, got this book coming out. Go ahead and get it. I was just like, yeah, I'm not even thinking. I'm not even going to read the thing. Where's the goddamn link? Click. Bye. <laughs> that was literally my reaction. That's awesome. I appreciate that. Yeah, so the, the book is titled Ask. 
and there's a big long subtitle behind it, which is the counterintuitive online formula to discover exactly what your customers want to buy, create a mass of raving fans, and take any business to the next level. And those three components that I just mentioned, discovering exactly what your customers want to buy, create a mass of raving fans, and take your business to the next level are all critically important components. And the book itself is really broken down into two main parts. The first third is really the story of how the ask formula came about. And the survey funnel formula that you're familiar with is really the underpinning of that. The second two-thirds of the book is the entire methodology laid out step-by-step. And when I say laid out, this is not one of these books that's like an extended sales letter and a big tease. Like if you really want to find out the the secret, you need to invest in this high-paid training program. I made a decision, and it's not it was an, it wasn't an easy decision, but and I'll explain the reason why I made this decision to just lay it out all on the line to basically give away what's effectively my secret family recipe, the thing that's generated over a hundred million dollars in online sales, the thing that's been responsible for all of virtually virtually all of my income online, my personal wealth, um, made a decision to put it all out on the line and reveal everything in this tell-all book. See, that's pretty badass because um, let's just put it this way: if you're listening to this and you're not a marketer, I'll give you a heads up. The basic marketing formula of writing a book isn't to give you all the answers. It's basically to get you enticed enough to go ahead and give us more money. That is right. literally the be-all, end-all of 98% of the books out there. I think there's like only 2% of all books out there that really do help. And yeah. um, most of these are like the old school books. Like I'm talking like old, like Think and Grow Rich, 1930s and early, like before 1950. Most of the stuff there is really good. Not to say the stuff out there today is crap but a lot of it's really good but um you rarely do you get the whole here's the entire story that everything goes through and it's applicable go ahead and use it you usually get this is 90 percent of the story and the last 10 percent i'm only going to give away to this section of people that actually follow up with me that's right. really is really really you know so and, and i and i'll be perfectly honest so is ryan just doing this because he's a saint well the answer is is you know, the full, the full answer is no, um, but I think it's important to understand the motivation behind the book because it'll appreciate, it helps you appreciate why would someone do this? Why would someone give away their secret family recipe and make it available effectively for, you know, fourteen ninety nine at Barnes and Nobles or at uh, an airport bookstore? Why would someone do that? And you know this story, Adel, but basically three years ago, um, I almost died. Um, I... Uh, uh, you know, I think we talked about this on the last podcast where after my first son was born, I got really sick. Um, I was tired all the time. I started losing a lot of weight. I weigh about 165 pounds now, and I've gone down to 134 pounds. Um, I, was, I was hospitalized. Um, uh, basically, I, I had applied for life insurance. My wife urged me to apply for life, life insurance after our son was born, and when I got the results back, I was rejected, denied. And I, was, I just turned 30 years old. And uh, as an otherwise healthy 30-year-old, to be denied for life insurance, I mean, you get denied if you're on, like, dialysis or if you have cancer or something like that. Like, if you're otherwise healthy, you don't get denied. So my first response, my first reaction was, there must be some mistake. And, uh, you know, long story short, I called up our life insurance agent. He told me, no, it's not a mistake and you need to sit down. 
because um, I have your lab results in front of me and they're off the charts. And I reached a point where my, my organs were actually shutting down. Uh, my kidneys, my liver, and my pancreas were all shutting down. I had blood in my urine at substantial amounts. Um, and I went to the doctor the next day. They corroborated the results. The doctor grabbed me by the shoulders and he said, Ryan, you should be in a coma right now. Holy shit. You, you did not need say to that. Go. Well, I mean, so if you don't know the story, I mean, this is, you know, this is the whole reason why I decided to write this book. So he grabbed me by the shoulders at the hospital. My wife is panicking and basically said, you need to go to the emergency room now and you are not driving. So my wife rushed me to the emergency room and long story short, we come to find out the reason why I was uh, tired, the reason why I'd lost all that weight and the reason why I was uh, also thirsty all the time. I was drinking water like it was my job. I drink a liter of water, guzzle it down and I'd fill up the bottle again and drink another liter and I'd still be thirsty. The reason why is because the reason why my organs were shutting down was because I was in a state known as DKA, which is diabetic ketoacidosis, which is something that you fall into when you find out you have juvenile diabetes. Juvenile diabetes, as the name suggests, is something you find out you have and get when you're a kid, not when you're a 30-year-old man. I'm not the first person in history to, for this to happen to. But it is very rare, yeah. extremely rare for this to happen this late in life. And when that happens and you don't realize it, I was in DKA for months. That's why I'd lost all the weight. That's why my body wasn't metabolizing anything that I was eating. I was peeing out protein and, and blood in, my, in, in the urine. My organs were shutting down. My pancreas no longer works, even to this day. Um, I'm on insulin injections. And come to find out, uh, I basically, I went to the ER. They basically saved my life. I was on life support, and I was on a whole bunch of different uh, medications. I spent over a week in ICU, basically alongside cancer patients and dialysis patients. And when I was in the hospital, I really had – a moment where I came to terms with my own mortality and I said, well, what am I going to do when I get out? What am I going to do? And um, when you come to terms with your own mortality like that, Adel, it really changes your perspective. Mm -hmm. And I divested myself of a whole bunch of different projects and things that I was doing and basically walked out of that hospital like a bat out of hell with a singular focus. And the focus was simple. I asked myself, what is the thing that I can do that's going to have the biggest impact, the biggest contribution on the world? What is the thing that is my unique contribution? And I took a mental inventory of all the things that I did professionally for clients and that I could contribute, and it came up that the thing that you know me as being you know, most well-known for, that's the thing. It's this, this, this unique survey methodology. It's the ask formula. And I came out and I said, well, here's the thing. I can't hold my cards to the chest. I don't know how long I'm going to be around. My life expectancy, put it this way, today is much shorter than it was in 2012 before I entered the hospital. Wow. As a type 1 diabetic, your life expectancy is not what it is for a normal person. Now, I should be okay, but you never know. And so I came out and said, I don't know how much time I have, but I'm going to be busting my ass, and I want to, get, I want to impact as many businesses as possible. I want this to be my legacy. I want this to be my contribution not just selfishly, but because I feel like this can make a huge difference in the way business is transacted online, and it can benefit in a profound way both businesses and consumers, and that's what's so cool about it. So I walked out, and my vision was simple. My vision is that every homepage in the world should have a survey funnel, full stop, 
And the way to make that happen, as ambitious of a goal that, as that sounds, is to get this book in as many people's hands as possible because my team and I are not going to be able to do this alone. And so that was the motivation behind giving it all away. Now, at the same time, commercially, let's be perfectly honest, I'm not an idiot, right? I know this book is going to drive demand for a few things. The software that my team and I developed that enables people to implement this. So I recognize that. It's going to drive demand for our agency. Our agency does this formula, implements this formula in market after market all day, every day. But are we, going to be, are we going to personally, commercially benefit from everybody who gets their hands on this information? Absolutely not. It's only going to be a small amount, and I'm fine with that because I'm so passionate about getting this in as many people's hands as possible. Wow. See, that's really powerful. And something just for people to take away from this, and something I don't think I've even told you, Ryan, um, death is the greatest motivating factor on Earth. It is the greatest thing. And as humans, we have one thing over any other living creature on this planet. We know we're going to die one day. Right. We just don't know when. And right. again, it becomes a game of, like, um, guessing. And do, do you, I'm going to hijack your story for a moment, if you don't mind. Do you mind? Go for it. All right, cool. I had a very similar incident, except for not with that. Uh, mine came in the form of suicide. Mm. Uh, my final suicide attempt when I was 18. Uh, I failed, obviously. But that one, I was at the lowest point in my life I've ever been. Wow. And, uh, well, the thing is, I've got bipolar depression. Mm -hmm. uh, the other thing is, I'm not on medication for it, because I actually understood how to control mood swings. It's very easy. So, it's brain chemistry. If you understand your brain chemistry, it's very easy to, like manipulate out to actually limit moods and stuff like that. So your highs are not too high, your drops aren't too low. So your euphoric states are actually euphoric only for a very short period of time. Versus like other people I know that bipolar depression, their euphoric states last two, three days. And then for the week after they need to be on meds or they need to be looked after and strapped down before they kill themselves. It's ridiculous to watch. My last point actually had that. And it was actually as I started business and it was like, um, it's one of the very few factors that actually kept me going was like, I want to make a bigger impact for this reason, and death is my actual motivator, because I don't know when I'm going to go. I mean, I've tried to take my own life, that's not going to work. There's a time and place for this, I'm here for a reason, let's live that reason out. And again, with you, you had the whole thing where it's like, I don't know how many more years I've got left here, my life expectancy is significantly shorter than it used to be, I can't be running around like a wild-ass kid anymore, I've kind of got to go ahead and be like, right, how much can I get out there, how much good can I do out there? Yeah, man. I mean, you come to, you know, we all think it's like when you're young, it's the whole thing, right? Youth is wasted on the young. And it's like, we think we're going to live forever. And I've had a few moments in my life, like clearly you have, that's such a powerful story. And I'm, 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 uh, I'm really happy that you shared it, man. Um, where awesome. it's, you know, it's like, we think we're going to live forever. We're like, we've got all the time in the world. I'm so young. I've got like, you know, 60 years might as well be 600 years ahead of you, right? You're 25 years old. And you're like, I got 60 years left to do all this stuff. Six, 60 might as well be 600. But then when you come to terms with the fact that, you know, that might not be the case. And this was a close call. And it's like, all right, you know, if, if we're going to do something serious here, you know, talking to yourself, right? In, from like in the third person, I have friends of mine who say that like I'm a sociopath for doing that. But like talking to yourself, you say, listen, like, if we're going to fucking do this, and sorry, I didn't mean to Oh, swear. go for it. Dude, we swear all the time on this fucking podcast. Okay, sorry. So I, I apologize. I wasn't sure it was explicit. Like, you know, if we're going to fucking do this, like, 
now is the time. Like, you know, no more dicking around for the next five years and like, this is it. Like, you know, this is the moment. And, uh, came out of that hospital, like I said, like a bullet out of a gun. And, um, and you know, I've been pushing the foot on the accelerator because, um, and people say that, you know, people say, uh, you know, what, why the hell you do what you do? And I had a client that came to me and he said, I get it. Like, I get why you are the way you are. And you have, you know, same elements of this, which is, uh, you're afraid you're going to die. And you know that you don't have all the time in the world. So I'm trying to squeeze the most out of every minute and do the things that I want to do, uh, not only from my own selfish standpoint, but more so uh, to create that impact. Like, you know, most people think about legacy when they're much older, much, much, you know, later in life. That's important to me. Um, it may be the way that I'm hardwired. Um, I don't have, I have, like, I like nice stuff like the next guy does. I'm sure like you do as well. But I'm not one of these people that is, you know, I don't have like a yacht on my vision board. You know what I mean? Like I'm trying to buy a million dollar yacht and there's nothing wrong with that motivation. I just don't have that. Like there are a few nice things that I want, but um, I'm past the income level to get those things. You know what I mean? Like so it's now it's more about, okay, like how, how big can we make this? Like how many businesses can we impact? We've already proven this in a small way, but how fucking big can we make this? Mm. Like, is that that outsized vision, is that even possible? Well, you know what? We're never going to know if we never even try. So let's give it a shot. And if we fail, who cares? Right? If we fail, who cares? So that's kind of where I am right now in my mindset. The book is the thing that has me most excited. Um, and, um, you know, for anyone who's listening to this, I know we've got a, a cool way to uh, – a cool, cool, cool thing. I won't spoil the – the thunder, but um, uh, we've got a cool thing for your listeners. Oh, damn. I don't even know what it is. So, you know what? I'm as much of a surprise as this as the next guy. So this is going to be quite fun, I guess. Um, cool. And the other thing I'm going to say is the moment you give Ryan any permission, it's like, yes, Ryan, you can swear. He just goes off. It's like, <laughs> fuck everyone, dicks, motherfuckers. It's like, holy shit, dude, come out. <laughs> You're allowed to. I'm, uh, I'm sorry. I'm oh, sorry. Dude, we got I'm... passionate about things. Listen, I read somewhere, we might have talked about this because I've met, I've, I brought this up in uh, other conversations. Maybe it was with you and me, maybe it was elsewhere, that um, people who swear, uh, it's a sign of honesty. Yeah, it really is. Because yeah. it's it's you're you're truly saying what's on your mind without a censor. And so people who swear, I I swear to my client with my clients all the time. I swear with my team all the time. Yeah. Whenever there's a, a lady on the phone, I usually preface it and say, I apologize in advance, but I'm going to speak my mind. Uh, and here's what's on my mind. Um, but I, you know. You know, when I get passionate, and I, I know you do too, um, you know, the, the inner sensor goes off, and I think that's a good thing, personally. And if, and if you put it this way, if someone just doesn't like that, there's some people that I know that are, get turned off by that. They're very, oh, you know, this is a turn off. It, what that tells me, and I don't swear in the book, by the way. So the book yeah. is totally, you know, it's safe for kids, safe for work. There's no four-letter words in the book. Um, but there's uh, a few four-letter like words, but there's not those ones. There's no that kind of four-letter words. <laughs> no, the, the point is, if, if, if you don't jive with that, we're just not a good fit. Yeah. It's just not a fit. It's as simple as that. It's not that you're right and I'm wrong or that I'm right and you're wrong. It's just not a fit, and that's fine. But I've learned that, listen, um, if, no matter who you are, whether you're the fake version of you or the real version of you, they're going to be haters. They're going to be people who hate you. They're going to be people who want to knock you down. So you might as well just be the real thing. Mm -hmm. I agree entirely. It's quite funny you should say that because I was going to say, fuck, how the hell does he know that I swear so goddamn much? 
You've probably read a lot of my pod, like not my podcast, but read a lot of my blogs where I've got fuck or shit or yeah, I, just any other word under the sun is like just there embedded. And I yeah. genuinely like when um, if you read my blogs, my blog's been around for like years since two thousand eight, but it's been rebuilt, destroyed, moved over servers, hacked, and everything else in between. That's why there's so very few posts on there now, because like now it's on a, like a platform that can't get hacked or it can get hacked, but it's like backed up all the time, so I can always restore it. Um. The interesting thing out of all of that, though, was I decided in 2012 slash 2013, I wasn't going to be the nice guy anymore. I was like, so you need to go and find this and this. I'm like, dude, I swear so much in real life. Like, that is an indicator for me. Of people if- want the truth. That's yeah. it. At the end of the day, people appreciate the truth. And I tell people, listen, you have to understand my heart's in a good place. It's coming from a good place. But I'm a brutal bastard in pursuit of profit. Okay? So I'm going to tell you how it is. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Are you okay with that? Do you want the truth? Yeah. Nine and a half out of ten times, people say, give it to me. I want to hear it straight. It's refreshing. Right? Just tell them like, how it really is. It's refreshing. At the same time, I also think that it's right to be respectful of other people's platforms. And that's why the swear slipped out, and I apologize. And if you would have said, Ryan, please no cussing, I would have respected that um, out of respect to you and your audience. Because they come on expecting a certain type of language. So when I presented at at, uh, Jeff Walker's event a couple weeks ago as the featured presenter, featured guest speaker, of course I'm not going to swear. I'm not going to swear in front of a room of people. It's just not appropriate. Um, but on my platform, in my world, if you want to work with me privately and you're going to say, hey, Ryan, I love what you do, but you know, on our private calls, um, could you please refrain from swearing? Um, basically what you're saying is you know, I'm a brain surgeon and I'm the best in the world at what I do, but you're telling me, you know, would you mind not wearing those gloves when you yeah. operate on my brain? No, if you don't want me to use my gloves, then it's just not a fit. You work with another brain surgeon. See, you're much nicer in saying that. I just usually say, well, fuck you, you asshole. I don't want to work with you. <laughs> and then it just turns into, I'm so sorry, we need to work. I was like, okay, fine, fuck it. If you can bear with me, then fine. I'll try not to swear as much, but I will there call you, you a cock juggling thunder cunt every single <laughs> thing just because you're not my favorite cast in the whole wide world. Um, That's hilarious. Oh, God, Ryan Reynolds in Blade 3, thank you very much for actually using that because that's where <laughs> I got it from. It's like, what, 2000 and five or something that that's when that movie came out and i watched it and i was like i am gonna embody that curse because that is just like that is my favorite like curse word just right there beautiful phrase um (laughs) but getting back to it i mean it's so true i mean there's a very famous copywriter that we know um who doesn't like swearing in my opinion uh oh i know who you're talking about yeah yeah, i mean there was a huge public debate about it and like honestly i don't give a fuck about whether or not if he loves it or if he hates it i respect the guy for what he's done um, and I, I appreciate the fact that he doesn't like to swear because that's just him. He's from like, you got to look at the generation that he's from, from yep. the time period he's from. Yep. Ga- even though Gary was from a very similar time period, it's the same as like, look at Gary Halbert, Jay Abraham, and Dan Candy. Right. Gary Which swears. Different styles, different yeah. horses for different courses, right? Exactly. For someone who, who works, I know the co- we won't mention my name unless you wanted to. Oh, yeah. The copywriter that you're mentioning, um, you know, if someone appreciates pristine, church language and they want that it's a good fit Mm -hmm. and who am i to say what's right and what's wrong i mean you know of course i'm going to be biased but i'm not the arbiter of what's right and wrong so all i'm saying is this is the way that i operate and you can choose to play in that game or not and if not you know what it's perfectly fine no no attachment to that and for and for someone who that's important 
what you're what we're describing about no swearing, then this other writer, uh, you know, might be a good fit for that reason. Um, it's just different. It's yes. just different. The reason why they're rated R movies and, and rated G movies is 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 Toy Story better than Schindler's List? They're just different. They're just say, different. You can't compare them. I was going to say The Godfather, but sure, why not? We'll go with Schindler's List. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm trying to pick two extremes. You know, like the most extreme. Godfather is is uh, is another great example. Um, but uh, I'm 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 picking two critically acclaimed movies uh, that are excellent. Uh, judged by most critics. Now, there's some people on this call are going to say, "Well, I thought Toy Story sucked, and I thought Schindler's List sucked." But let's, you know, that are generally accepted among most circles as being two critically acclaimed movies. Which one's better? They're just different. Yeah, I'm... and one is appropriate to one audience, and one is appropriate to another audience. Yeah, I agree. And also to the people that say Toy Story sucks, fuck you, motherfucker. Toy Story is <laughs> amazing. Seriously, think well, about my, it. My my son, my three-year-old son would say Toy Story two is a little bit better than Toy Story 1. Um, okay, uh, I, I, I'm not going to argue with your son. <laughs> Let's be honest, kids are like the best persuaders in the world. You're not going to yeah. win, okay? that's. Uh, well, I, I'm just judging it based on the number of requests for Toy Story 2 specifically uh, uh, versus the other ones. Well, yeah, but then again, I still like You've Got a Friend in Me. That's still like one of my favorite songs of all time. So Yeah, it's awesome. You've already watched those movies. Uh, yeah. You yeah. know what? I'll tell you what. This is what my weekend plan looks like, and I'll explain. Um, well, I'll, I'll email you the details later anyway, like I said to you before the phone call. But um, yeah, this weekend my plan is because it's Valentine's Day. I'm spending some time uh, just like in the evening I'm packing. On Valentine's Day evening I'm packing because I'm heading back to uh, Plymouth for a week, because I'm fighting a week on Saturday, uh, a jiu-jitsu competition, so it's going to be fun, you know, do that, because I've not trained for fucking ages, and I want to train with my old, like, my old gym, by the way, just to give you guys an example of, like, uh, creating a vibe based on um, who you are as a person, this is an excellent example, it kind of plays off this, it's all by accident, this really came up, the guy that I used to train, that I train with, uh, that's my coach, my professor in jiu-jitsu, I would say, is a guy called Kenny Baker, shout out to Kenny Baker BJJ, because the guy's awesome, uh, Kenny, um, <laughs> that dude is, and I, and he'll agree with this because I did a podcast with him on my other jujitsu stuff. He literally comes out with like, all I am is rape jokes, racist jokes, and jujitsu, and it's so true because like he makes he, he it's so bad. Like there's a story I tell with uh, on that podcast about like he said something that was like it was between us like as friends. He said it as just you know test is in between friends. As soon as he said it, like, he was drinking tea and the tea slipped right out of his hand and landed on his crotch. It was, like, boiling hot tea. I was like, that is the quickest I've ever seen Karma do that. But um, as, as I'm heading down there and stuff, one of the things that's quite interesting is that Kenny swears a lot. Uh, he's just himself. Like, he's an he says he's an antisocial prick. It's just the way he does things. Um, in the initial gym that we met in, he actually wasn't allowed to do that so much. He actually got told off by a lot of the times by the gym owner, hey, could you not swear? Could you not do this? You know, whatever. And Kenny was like, okay, I'll keep it under the breath, you know, as is. I'll keep it quiet, but the rest of the jiu-jitsu guys are fine. You got to bear in mind, I'm the only brown dude in that class most of the time. Um, and I was leaving in December to move to London. For November, I got sponsored. I'm, I'm guessing it was him, but I know someone sponsored me uh, for No Shave November. Yeah, I had to grow No shave November? Yeah, not November, no shave November. So the beard and the mustache <laughs> had to be grown out. So, judging by your goatee, 
that that's uh, right now i'm kind of looking quite cavemanish right now um yeah i had a full thing i'll actually upload a photo later on actually no if you go to my facebook you'll see on my timeline photo of me and my jujitsu gear and that team photo i've not shaved and i've got like a big bushy beard thing going on um i got 30 days of racist jokes non-stop in a new gym and by the way we had moved to this new gym like a week beforehand so half the students oh my god i see you in the group <laughs> yeah. i was looking for you you look like a, a a creature from from star wars hell yeah <laughs> that's right bitches we're going to back on this <laughs> but um awesome. so so we're there all like training and stuff it's fucking awesome just love it and um half the guys like we'd moved to this new gym and and this is a place where kenny had finally got to a place where he could swear, he can cuss, he can make racist jokes openly, and, you know, it'd get accepted. Now, this is in mid-October, and two weeks later, of course, we're in uh, November, and we've got uh, November 5th bonfire night over in the UK. And um, I'm paying attention to what he's saying. I'm totally zoned into what he's saying. And I didn't even hear the fireworks go off in the background. He looks at me and goes, you could have waited five more minutes before your friends laughed the bombs. And half the class is laughing, the other half, half the class is shocked. I'm stood there like... Holy shit, did, oh shit, he made a joke, so I started laughing. And the other, and he turned to the other half of the class and goes, don't worry, we're friends, we do this all the time, um, just between us. And that ended up being the ridicule for the next 30 days, where you know, we just cuss each other out as friends. But here's the interesting thing. That was in November, and we only had about 70 students in the class, mm. right, total, um, all over, like in beginners and advanced. Today, there's over 150 in about three months, and it's growing on a wow. daily basis it's becoming like this huge massive like mecca of the southwest where everyone's flooding to do jiu-jitsu just down in plymouth um wow. at this gym in fact we actually had like from what kane told me he had to speak to the owner and say to him can we um can, can, is there any way that we can extend out the room so we can basically make both rooms like the fitness studio and the gym can we like knock this wall down and make it one so we have enough space for everyone they're like uh, yeah we'll see if we can get some permission to do that but it's ridiculously crazy now the reason he's able to do that is because he's himself right and there's people that will hate him there are i know some people actually hate him anyway but he speaks his mind he's honest he swears he cusses he's believable he's real and as we would put it he's what we would call a foot soldier you know mm. stands in the trenches goes with everyone and it's attracted this huge market to him that he didn't even know he was capable of doing yep. now, now the same happens with your business Yep. I mean, the bottom line is like, and we probably brought this up on our last call. It's a quote that I bring up a lot because it's had a big impact on my life. And it's a, it's a Halbert quote, so you'll appreciate it. Uh, Halbert used to say, you've got, uh, uh, you've got Boy George people and John Wayne people and never the tween shall they meet. Yeah. Just different. And you, uh, if you look at the highest paid entertainers in the world, who are they? They're radio personalities like Howard Stern, Rush Limbaugh. They're polarizing figures. They're on, they're on, they're on, uh, you know, the ends of the spectrum. So you just need to ask yourself if you want to be a personality. Kanye West, another perfect example. People talk about him all the time. People hate him, right? People talk about, you know, they he's he's in the media all the time. Why? Because people hate him. They like to hate him. And he makes a ton of money from the publicity as a result. You just need to ask yourself, if you want to be a person in the public eye, are you prepared to be hated? And if the answer is no, it's probably just not a good fit.
is what it comes down to. And there's nothing wrong with that. There is there are benefits to both, right? There are benefits to anonymity and being able to uh, blend in a crowd and for nobody to like you, nobody to hate you, for you to just disappear. There are benefits to that. Um, and uh, you know, it's 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 nice. It's refreshing. It's peaceful. Um, uh, you know, but if you are prepared to be hated publicly, then the financial rewards can be tremendous. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, you just have to ask yourself, is that a price that you're willing to pay? If the answer is no, again, nothing wrong with that. It's just, uh, you know, a question mark if something's a fit. Yeah, I agree. And it's quite interesting you should say that because it brings – it was funny because I was thinking about this today because I was um, – I took most of today off to spend time with my mom because I've not seen her for like two months. And uh, so it was really, really nice to spend the day. It was refreshing just me and my mom just hanging out and stuff. And she asked me this question because she's um, she's not a marketer, but she's read through a lot of my notes from like my previous books and stuff that I wrote down, like notepads. And one of the questions I used to write down was a Dean Jackson question. I ask everyone listening to this to ask themselves this question. Would you rather be rich or would you rather be famous? Mm. Right? Now, right. 19- oh, yeah, you did, ask, you did ask that, yeah. Yeah. If I was 19 years old, I would have said famous. Yep. I'm 25 now. I'd say rich. And the reason yep. is people assume, and this is my reasoning, by the way, if you want to be famous, be fucking famous, go out there, do it. I believe in you. I think that you'll actually do it if you go with it. The only reason I say I want to be rich and not famous, fame has an unseen cost. And I think Beyonce, who, by the way, I respect the hell out of for, for this. She did a video, like a 12 minute video the other day, um, where she talks about the cost of fame. And that is she hates, she doesn't hate it, but she finds that she can't walk down the street anymore as a person just being herself without being mobbed. She can't go down to the grocery store without being right. mobbed. And that's the cost of fame. But then again, if you're rich, because fame is fleeting, rich, stays, wealth stays with you. Fame fleets. Right. And that's basically right. like kind of the idea. Not trying to influence your decision, by the way. If you want to be rich and famous, go for it. Right. Myself, personally, I'd rather just be rich. I can sit, yep. sit on a little like yacht somewhere, you know fancy mansion kind of thing and to backtrack what you said we do have a similarity in this because um i'd say you're what I, you're what i would call a high quality minimalist mm-hmm. um you live by what you want but everything you own is quite high quality it's, it's not expensive per se most times it is but like it's high quality it has the right things that you want it to do you have it for the specific reason of a function but it's not like your house is full of like crazy ass gadgets everywhere. You're like, no, I've got an Xbox because I need to chill out. I've got an iMac because I like to do this. It's good for video work. I've got a three hundred a three thousand dollar camera because I like to shoot high recording video or whatever it is. You have everything you own is the reason. Would I would that be a fair assumption to make? Yeah, although I, I don't have a, a three thousand dollar camera yet. Um, but one of the big things that we're it's funny that you bring that up that we're doing this sh- year in the business is I'm really trying to step up our production value just across the board. It's one of the areas that I really want to, um, you know, to borrow a phrase in, um, in our lexicon is that's where I want to take our business to the next level is in production value. So it's funny that you brought that up because that's probably on the list of, of things that we'll be adding. But yeah, you, you bring up a really good point. Very utilitarian from that perspective. Um, I don't need a lot of stuff. I actually like fewer things. Like I like to get, I actually enjoy throwing stuff away to clear the clutter. Like I'd rather, if something is not used, my wife is much more a fan of, well, let's try to sell it. Let's, you know, let's, let's try to make a little bit of money off of it. For me, it's more important to just get it like out, out of the house, 
Like, I don't care if we make any money off of it. We, we just, you know, my wife got a new piece of furniture, a new uh, sectional sofa that she wanted. Well, the old sofa, I just want it out, out so I don't have to think about it. Um, the mental headspace is more important to me than trying to make a little bit of money um, uh, off that stuff. But, you know, again, the theme of the conversation here is it's not like my approach is the right approach and the other approach is, is the wrong approach. It's just, you know, what works for you. Yeah, I agree. And as in your words, if it's not a fit, it's not a fit. Because you've said that like six times right. in this podcast. And I'm just totally going to like that's make sure. That's what I mean. Well, I feel like that's, it's a theme. We didn't plan on that being the theme, but just on the the, the, the spontaneous conversation that we're having here, it's, it's, it's come up. I mean, it's kind of become the theme. So, I should um, really change a, it, my... I wish I could change my code now and just be like, it's not a fit. It's my code, but I'm like, screw it. We'll just keep it as is. <laughs> well, the point is this. So what is the business lesson there? Well, the business lesson there is it removes any attachment from someone purchasing from you, whether that's in a client relationship or a customer relationship, like buying a product that you might sell. If they just are not interested in what you've got, it's just not a fit. All yeah. it comes down to. It's just not a fit. And it removes that attachment around trying to please everybody and trying to bend over backwards to try to, you know, uh, uh, shift what it is that you're doing to, to you know, to, to please everybody. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, I would be, you know, remiss to, to, to say, well, it's all about knowing what your market wants. That's where you derive all your success. I mean, that's the entire book that I wrote is about that concept. It's about figuring out where the demand is in your market and delivering it to your market and, uh, and speaking to different segments of your market differently. That's the whole point of the book. Um, but there will come a time where you're going to draw a line in the sand and say, this is what we do. This is what we do. Perfect example is our agency, our marketing agency. We focus on one thing. We are the best in the world at building survey funnels. Full stop, end of story. People come to us and they say, we love what you do with respect to survey funnels. Would you be open to doing something like this? And we can easily say, it's not what we do. It's not a fit. It's very, it's very refreshing to be able to say that rather than trying to be accommodating to everybody who comes your way. It allows you to double down on what you specialize in. It allows you to own a position in people's mind as being the best in the world at a specific thing and then um, you know, leveraging your success there. Yeah, I agree. In fact, that's something that's a big focus of mine this year. Uh, I've been speaking to quite a lot of like, um, I wouldn't say they're my mentors, but they're just friends that have been around for a lot longer than I have like the 40, 50, and so on and so forth. And look yep. at them, I just say, uh, they. this is one thing that I'm going to give you guys as a quote, everyone listening. And it's kind of also to you, Ryan. Whatever you're doing right now, no matter how grandiose or how amazing, you're still playing too small. Yeah, that's, that's something, true, man. That That is just something so impactful that when my friend told me that, I, it, it literally knocked me on my ass. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Play too small. Do you know, like, blah, blah, all this stuff. And he's like, yeah, that's great and well. But do you think you'll be doing that in the next 20 years? I'm saying, no. He goes, exactly. In the next 20 years, you look back on this day and go, fuck, I was playing too small. Well, it's that whole horizon thing, right? It's like the horizon is always going to be the horizon. It's always moving for you no matter how, what level you play at. I mean, I remember a time where making $10,000 a month for me was like this unachievable goal. Like if I can make $10,000 a month in passive income online, like my, my thought back then was, how could you possibly want anything more out of life? Like that's it. $10,000 a month passive income. That's enough money to, you know, live on a beach and, and live the lifestyle that you want. 
um, well, the horizon very quickly changes when you get to that level, right? And then it becomes 20,000, 50,000, and 100,000, and the numbers go up, up, up. The horizon just doesn't change. And now, it's, I get it. At some point, you make a decision. You say, this is my number, and I'm happy with that. And priorities change. And you talk about, you know, for me right now, it's achieving a certain level in the business in terms of income. And then once we achieve that level, which we haven't hit yet, it's going to be about ratcheting back the number of hours I'm spending to maintain that level. So hitting the number, working you know, 60 hours a week, okay, that's fine, done that. Now, how do I maintain that level and then ratchet my time back so I'm only working 20 hours a week? So it's kind of like crawling, uh, you know, uh, uh, climbing up the hill, reaching the peak, and then climbing down the hill. That, for me, is at a strategic level what I'm, uh, uh, you know, uh, what I'm uh, working on, but the point is, back to your to your point, is that hor that horizon just never change. That, that you never get to that horizon. It's always going to change. It's always yeah. evolving. It's a moving target, and that's what you really kind of need in life. Yeah, is just yep. that moving target, and that's kind of like awesome that you actually say that because it really does give an idea that you can actually keep walking up a hill, and um, you know, you finally get to the peak. It's like, how do I make this more efficient now? It's kind of like. Um, Again, I use martial arts as a massive thing because martial arts and business to me, I go hand in hand. They are literally the same system, same metrics, same everything. The only difference is what they are used for. So for, for in this instance, it's kind of like I've learned the same move over and over again. Okay, you know how to throw a roundhouse kick, but you know how to throw it efficiently. Yep. That's all yep. it is. Or you know how to throw a punch. Do you know how to throw it efficiently enough so you don't tire out? Right. So it's, uh, it's, it's really interesting that, you know, you bring that up. I'm not going to do the three things again because we did that and those were awesome. Um, as much as I love doing those with you and having those on board, I kind of just want to go ahead and go into do something a little bit more fun this time. Let's uh, do it. I say a little bit more fun. All right. So tell us three embarrassing screw-ups you've had in business. So many of them. Okay, so top three. Um, this is fun because this I get to be honest, and I think these are the biggest lessons. So, okay, um, okay, so okay, so one is is the least embarrassing. We'll go in increasing order of embarrassment. How's that sound? All right, let's go. So with that. Le least embarrassing is uh, I was way too slow to hire in my business. So we have a team now. I think we are somewhere between twenty and twenty-five. Uh, full-time team members now, um, spread around the world, but mostly in the United States and Canada, um, and then a few people in the UK. Um, and uh, But the first couple of years that we were in business, my wife and I, when we were selling uh, information products in our publishing business, we were the ones that did everything. So we were, you know, Friday night, date night, before we had kids, was let's pop a movie on Netflix, let's get some takeout, and let's do a an assembly line style uh, fulfillment uh, uh, process on the floor of our living room. So we'd have manila envelopes, books, DVDs, stick letters, inserts, and we had a little assembly line going on. All right, honey, you do that. You stick the books in the envelope. I'll stick the DVD in. I'll seal the envelope. You slap the label on it. And we were selling, you know, hundreds of copies of our stuff every single week. Sometimes over a thousand copies. So we'd be we'd get through two or three movies by the time we were done, and we'd say, "Whew, great, we're done. Let's repeat this again next week." I mean, it was idiotic considering that you can pay someone as little as you can pay them to do that type of work. But at the time, I had a limiting belief around clinging on to every cent of profit. And it was just stupid. But, I mean, it's embarrassing. So it's the least embarrassing, but it's, it's also an important lesson. 
Second thing was uh, I reached a point where I was having success in market after market. I decided to launch a business in the pest control niche. So I decided to launch a marketing agency, still around today, the website's still around today, um, that exclusively focused on helping people in the pest control market, full stop. Now, great idea. I did, you know, I did my homework, so I thought. Um, but more importantly, I thought, well, everything that I touch turns to gold. I let hubris take over. I let the fact that I had all these successes to think, well, you know what? I'm, I don't need my process. I don't need my formula. Like my marketing intuition is so damn good, I can just shortcut that whole process. Well, I mean, you know where the story is going, yeah. right? $70,000 in a year of my life later, um, that, that business was a black hole. Didn't make any money off of it ever. <laughs> um, and I was just, it was stupid. I mean, the, the, you know, why didn't it work? Well, if I were to boil it down to a couple different things, number one, um, it's a market that doesn't have PWMs, players with money. Most of these pest control guys, they're broken down into two categories. You've got the humongo companies like uh, Orkin, and then you've got the one-man shops. And the one-man shops, the problem is even if you could double their business tomorrow with marketing, A, they don't have any money to spend with you. And number two, even if you doubled, if you doubled their business, they would, they would have a heart attack because they're already running around spraying houses with pest control day in and day out. They don't have any bandwidth, and these are guys, they don't want to hire someone. They do. They say they do, but they really don't because they don't want to have to manage someone. So even paying five, six, seven thousand dollars a month in a, a marketing cost to them is astronomical. I mean I could have done my homework in five minutes and known this, but it took me a year to figure this out. So that was so stupid, lost a lot of money, and I keep that website alive really as a, as a teaching tool and to remind myself uh, of the mistakes that I made. There are some other you know, lessons learned there. The biggest mistake, well, not the biggest mistake, but the most embarrassing one is the third one that comes to mind, which is, um, I, uh, gosh, five or six years ago now, um, uh, my partner and I, we had a business that was a WordPress plugin that, is, uh, that was the precursor to our survey funnel software now. And that plugin was sold on a website called surveyfunnel.com. And... We don't own that software. It's not affiliated with me in any way, shape, or form. And the company that took it over has done, unfortunately, a, 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 a less than uh, ideal job in maintaining the software. Long story short, we sold that software because a WordPress plugin is inherently flawed for running, uh, for really any, any sort of uh, high volume element to your business. Because there are, uh, uh, you know this as a WordPress guy, there are plugin conflicts. Um, plugin conflicts that are outside of your control. You can have the best plugin in the world, but if someone has a, a broken plugin on their site and it causes yours to work improperly, well, there's nothing you can do. It, mm -hmm. They have to uninstall that broken plugin, and most people aren't willing to do that. They have to, people need to update their WordPress installation, and most people just don't keep things up to date. So it causes these unfortunate uh, uh, issues. And there are other issues as well. So, long story short, my, my partner and I sold that business. And the mistake that I made was selling the URL. Ooh, yeah, I was going to say. So I don't own the URL, surveyfunnel.com, even though that is a central part to what I do. Um, you know, as the creator of this concept, uh, not owning this creates confusion in the marketplace. Part of the, the, uh, the sale agreement with the company that we sold that business to, they're still able to use the marketing assets that I created. And some of those marketing assets are videos with my voice on it which creates even more confusion. 
In retrospect, I should have just, you know, closed down the business and not sold it at all and just shut it down and foregone the, you know, the sale, uh, which was decent money, but foregone the sale uh, of the business. Um, so it's, it's, you know, it is what it is. And, uh, the sell, you know, the, the business owner now recognizes that, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, I've exploded and, um, and our business has exploded and the concept has exploded and he has no interest in selling the URL back. So, um, you know, it's, uh, an embarrassing mistake in retrospect. Could I, if, if I wish I could, I, if I could have a mulligan, a do over on that one, would I in a heartbeat? Uh, but it is what it is, and it, it just goes to show you that even when you make mistakes like that, because people obsess, you know this, people obsess over brand names, URLs, and everything like that, and you've seen what, what's happened with our business. Even though we don't own that URL and we don't own that, that digital real estate, has it hampered our growth? Maybe a little bit, but not much at all. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, if I could do it over again, you know, I would, and I'm embarrassed to say that uh, you know made that mistake. So. Um, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool, man. That's so interesting because that's such a huge integral part. And guys, there's another little little marketing lesson for you that you may not picked up. I'm gonna point out. Stop fucking obsessing over the fucking URL and the brand name. Just go do it. Uh, yeah. Build it and then do everything else. Don't build it. Well, I say my, my five most profitable words in business. You've heard me say them before. Screw it. Just do it. Yep. And I see people, people even that are in my coaching programs that are working with me privately and with my team, um, just one the other day, I won't name his name, um, sent me a URL and said, you know, what do you think about this URL? And, uh, you know, my response is, fuck the URL. Like, you don't even need a URL. Just use your name. Don't even build a website. Just don't even have a website until you've really figured out what the value proposition is and what the hook is. And then once you figure that out, yeah, maybe you buy some domains in the background just to have them just in case to make you feel better, then decide on the name. Don't try to come up with the name first and then yeah. build a business around that. Build the business and then say what name makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense. Guys, I'm going to go ahead and just say we're going to put this entire thing up in live, Brian. The only reason I'm actually ending a little bit early is because I just want to speak to you real quickly. I know you're crazy busy because I've seen your schedule, man. How crazy yeah. is that? Guys, check out uh, askformula.com forward slash adult. Go to, uh, and then, of course, the code for that is adult2015. Of course, got all the details underneath this. Make sure you get it. Ryan's giving just amazing amounts of value. And there was one thing you said. You have a special gift for everyone. What is the special gift? Well, the special gift is this. So, uh, you know, you've been an awesome supporter. And, and uh, you know, you were someone that... Um, was really cool and and supportive before things really exploded. So I sort of a you know a special place in my heart, and um, I never forget things like that. So what I'd like to do for your audience, for anybody who's interested, is instead of uh, this the physical book that we've been talking about, ask uh, with that big long subtitle, um, rather than having to go to Barnes and Noble, Amazon.com, airport bookstore, Walmart, wherever you may be, um, you might buy a physical book. I'd like to gift uh, 50 physical copies to your audience, uh, first come, first serve. And the way that works is simple. You go to the link that uh, you mentioned, so askformula.com forward slash ADIL, A-D-I-L, and use the coupon code A-D-I-L-2015. When you get to that page, it's going to ask you for your name and email. And then when you check out on the second step, you're going to see a price for the book. It's a physical book. Put that coupon code that Adel just gave you and that I just 
uh, restated, in the coupon code field, it'll take the price to zero. And not only will I pay for the physical book, I'll also pay to ship it to your doorstep. It doesn't matter where you are. I'll just cover the shipping costs. Obviously, I can't do this for you know an unlimited number of people, uh, but we'll do it for 50 people, first come, first serve. So if, if this is something that you'd like, if you'd like a physical copy, um, just my gift uh, to you, Adel, as a way of saying thanks, and my gift to anyone who's a listener as a way of saying thanks for, for being on here and uh, being really cool. That's pretty awesome, man. Thank you. You motherfuckers get it for free. I have to pay for shipping and handling. Let's <laughs> get it like that. But it's all good. Ryan, thank you so much for being here, man. I'm sure we'll have you in, uh, again on board on future. And good luck with your book launch, man. That's going to smash out the ballpark. Appreciate it, my man. Thanks so much. Take care, guys.